It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Kyle Kondik, welcome back to our program. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. So Kyle is uh, the managing editor with Larry Sabato and the Crystal Ball, University of Virginia Center for Politics. And we talked two weeks ago. And by the way, this conversation is happening Thursday afternoon. So just so folks know when they listen to it, things can change before now and then. Five days from the big votes. Where do you think the race is between Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin? I mean, all the indicators are that it's very close. Uh, And I think there's been a feeling among some folks in both parties that this has been a pretty close race. Uh, I think kind of ever since uh, maybe Labor Day or so, when when Joe Biden's approval rating kind of dipped and um, I think has had an impact on the the political situation, uh, uh, you know, across the country. Um, And, you know, a lot of the public polls were maybe had a little bit of a McAuliffe edge and some of those polls have sort of become ties now. Um, so, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, based on what we know about kind of the people doing some projections about what the state of the early vote is and other things, and you got to take all that stuff with, with a lot of grains of salt. But bottom line is, I do think it's pretty close. I mean, the, you know, the advantage that um, McAuliffe has is just that, you know, that Virginia has become more of a blue state in recent years. Uh, the advantage that, you know, that Glenn Youngkin has is that uh, the, the incumbent president is not popular. And even in a state like Virginia that voted for him by 10 points uh, and that uh, that has an impact on the political environment. And, and uh, you know, Biden could very well be a drag. And this is a race that often breaks against the White House. So um, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of conflicting indicators in this race. And, you know, I guess the, the thing that would be a surprise or the biggest surprise is not necessarily if McAuliffe or Youngkin won, but rather if the race was not ended up being did not end up being close. You know, if it kind of broke clearly one way or the other, um, because that, of course, would, would go against where I think a lot of the polling is at this point. Mm, so, Kyle, I went back and listened to our conversation, took a bunch of notes here. And you mentioned to uh, our audience on the 15th of October that the energy and the enthusiasm was on the Republican side. Is that still the case or? Are, are are they kind of in this sea of wishful thinking when you oh, it was only 11 months ago where Biden won the state by 10 points. That just seems like a radical shift in a short period of time. Am I? Yeah, right? look, it, the, the, the polling indicators are still that, you know, the, the Republican voters are sort of more excited to vote. Now, granted, you know, an, an excited vote, an unexcited vote, of course, counts the same at the polls, but uh, it, it does. um it does tell you something about, uh, you know, what, what the turnout makeup might be. And, you know, my guess is that it will be a more Republican leaning electorate than what, than what showed up in 2017 when Ralph Northam, Democrat, won by nine points. And uh, certainly last fall when Joe Biden won by 10 points. The thing is, is how much less how much more Republican is it going to be? Um, is it enough to make up those gaps or, you know, is, and, and also how many, uh, you know, Biden voters can Glenn Youngkin sort of convert to his cause, you know, for, for Youngkin to make up that gap? He needs a favorable turn turnout environment, he probably also needs to convert, you know, some small number of Biden voters uh, into into his camp. Um, One sign for Democrats that I think they're 
they're feeling good about is that they've put a real focus on trying to beef up the early vote, particularly in some of the Democratic heavy uh, Northern Virginia constituencies, places like the giant county of, of Fairfax County and Arlington and Alexandria, you know, closer to uh, Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia. And there have been some signs of some increased turnout in those places. But again, all we know is that the turnout is up. We don't necessarily know exactly who those people are voting for. And if there's, you know, some erosion for Democrats in those places, that all matters for the, you know, the overall statewide. Yeah, I, you know, I'm very much into that geography and I work the board on election night. We'll be doing that on Tuesday night on the Fox News channel. So I'm very keen to learn what how you explain the state of Virginia to people. Uh, let me come back to that. But I just want to make one more point. You explained to us the historical significance of the governor's race in Virginia in a very keen way. Because this race is often the biggest test after a national election, which I mentioned we just had 11 months ago, because state law prevents a governor from running for a consecutive term. In other words, you're at one term at a time. Doesn't mean you can't run again in the future, but it's one term at a time. And then the seat is effectively open, which it is now. I find that very intriguing, Kyle. Yeah. And, and, you know, Terry McAuliffe is kind of a pseudo incumbent because he has, um, uh, you know, he has been governor in the past. He won, he won his single term in 2013. He's trying to get the job back. Uh, and he's also, you know, the candidate of the incumbent gubernatorial party. Uh, and the candidate of the incumbent presidential party. And, and he also had, just has more experience in public life and in, in certainly in elected office than Glenn Youngkin, who um, you know, I think is in, was involved in, in politics as sort of a, a, a fundraiser and whatnot, you know, in his, his previous life, but life, but this is his first time as a candidate. So he can more credibly claim to be the, the sort of a, a outsider candidate. But yeah, there's no distorting effects of incumbency in the Virginia gubernatorial race, which is, you know, unique among the states in that regard, you know, in every other state, an incumbent can run for run for re-election at least at least once and and sometimes even uh um even 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 more than that so um uh you know that it's it's uh uh it's it's a pretty it, it can be a pretty clean test of the political environment uh and you know in recent years uh, i think that the virginia governor's race has told us a little bit of something about um what's going on nationally um you know bob mcdonald a republican had a really big win in 2009 which um, I think was sort of a, you know, it was a negative sign for, for Democrats and they ended up having a bad midterm. Certainly the same was true with Ralph Northam and his big win in 2017. You know, Terry McAuliffe did win in 2013. The Republicans still had a good year in, in 2014, although McAuliffe's race ended up being closer than expected, which maybe was, was suggestive of something about the environment, too. Mm hmm. And you wonder what the movements on behalf of the White House and congressional Democrats this past week, kind of what that tells us about maybe what they're seeing in the vote on Tuesday. Not reading a ton into that, but maybe they're seeing something that we don't know. Now, to the state. You broke it down the following way. Nova, which is northern Virginia, uh, the Richmond area, and then Hampton Road slash Virginia Beach. And you talked about the Urban Crescent, which starts in Baltimore and comes down through D.C. into Richmond into Virginia Beach. So I'm studying your state, and I don't think people realize that, you know, you got, uh, how many counties do you have, Kyle? 
Uh, it's uh, hundred, roughly 130. I forget the exact number, but okay. it's it's. Uh, but also, Virginia is unique too that it has a bunch of counties, but then it also has uh, places that are called independent cities, which Correct. are effectively their own. Like so, for instance, the city of Charlottesville is surrounded on all sides by Albemarle County, but Charlottesville is its own governing entity. It's not part of Albemarle County. You know, most in most states, you know, if you live in, uh, you know, if you live in in the city of Cleveland, you're a resident of Cleveland, you have Cleveland city government, then you also have county government. Um, that's what, how it is in most other places. But Virginia is a little bit different in that regard. I mean, different in a significant way, because it's hard to explain because you have 40 cities that sit in tiny little dots on the map that sit inside of these counties that govern themselves. Um, and it's, right. it, and they, they can blow either way, um, Republican or Democrat also. But if you get down into the southeastern corner of Virginia, can you help me understand where you put your focus, whether it's Virginia Beach or Norfolk? How do you explain that part of your state? Uh, I'd say Hampton Roads or, you know, otherwise referred to as Tidewater, you know, that area that's a military heavy area. Uh, it's relatively diverse. Uh, it also is historically kind of a swing region. Uh, there's a, a congressional district that covers some of that territory, Virginia's second congressional district that has, a, you know, swung a number of times between the, the two parties o- over the years. It's currently represented by Elaine Luria, who's a Democrat. She first won in 2018, the big Democratic year. Um, but you have a combination of, of, of different kinds of places. You know, Virginia Beach is a, uh, I'd say, kind of a Republican leaning uh, swing city. You know, it's a, it's one of these jurisdictions that, that is a uh, technically an independent city as opposed to a, uh, a county. Uh, and then you also have some areas that are much more democratic leaning and are heavily black, like, like Norfolk and some of those other places. Um, and so it's a, it's kind of a mix of blue and red areas. And you could sometimes tell us something about which way the state is swinging. Like, for instance, you know, if, if Glenn Youngkin wins, I would expect him to win Virginia Beach. I think it's possible for um, for McAuliffe to win without carrying Virginia Beach, but but if 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 you know if if uh, um, if he loses Virginia Beach, it probably can't be by that much because it would be sort of reflective of where the um, where the state is going. But um, it's always you know I think there can, there's always a focus on Northern Virginia because that's the biggest chunk of the, the statewide vote. Um, but the the swings in that area are important too, and there are also some. Um, not to get too much in the weeds here, but the uh, Virginia State House of Delegates is up two this time. Uh, the Democrats won the majority in 2019. Um, you know, very well could end up losing it to Republicans this time. But there are some uh, important state legislative races that are going on in that part of the state as well. OK, so Virginia Beach is a swing county. I was looking at the history. I think you're exactly right about that. Where else is there a swing county that you um, would think like Loudon is blue today, but it wasn't blue just a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when uh, when Ed Gillespie almost beat Mark Warner in the 2014 Senate race, uh, he actually carried Loudoun County, but um, Ralph Northam won it by 20 and Biden won it by more. Uh, I don't you know if, if young obviously if Youngkin wins Loudoun, he's winning in a, in, a, in, a, in a comfortable way statewide, I think. But um, it's important to watch the margin. You know, if Northam won it by 20, you know, well, what if it's, uh, you know, if it's 15? Well, McAuliffe is probably OK with that. But, uh, you know, if it's like 10, uh, then that would be, you know, reflective of a, of a pretty big statewide shift. So, um, you know, the margins matter. There's another uh, place. Um, 
kind of Chesterfield uh, in the Richmond area that is, um, you know, typically Republican leaning, but but like many other kind of suburban, exurban places, it's uh, with with you know high levels of four-year college attainment. It sort of trended toward Democrats in recent years. Northam barely won it in 2017. Given that this race is closer, uh, I or should be closer than 2017, I'd expect that uh, Youngkin probably would carry it. If Youngkin doesn't carry it, uh, I think that's a pretty bad sign for him. Um, and Chesterfield is often a, a county that reports relatively early in the evening, uh, although our vote counting patterns are maybe not what they used to be given the, the higher prevalence of, uh, you know, early and mail and voting. So sometimes the reporting patterns aren't what we're historically, what we historically, historically expect, but that's another place to watch, um, uh, it, you know, it, it just in general. Okay. All right. Do you remember who won Biden or Trump 2020 Chesterfield County, just on the southern uh, edge of Richmond? Yeah, Biden carried it. I forget by exactly how much, uh-huh. um, but okay. that was a that was a Trump to Biden county, um, and you know Northam won it. I think by by less than a less than a percentage okay. point. Okay, so then on the northern side of the city of Richmond is Enrico County, and they say that's 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 a bit of a bellwether. I don't know if it is or not. Uh, well, so it, seems, it, it seems pretty blue to me. Yeah, it definitely it definitely used to be a bellwether. Like if we were talking uh, ten years ago, you know, we'd be talking about like Loudon and Enrico and Prince William as sort of bellwether counties, but they've all sort of zoomed toward the Democrats in recent years. You know, the Republicans have made up a little bit of that in um, uh, in Western Virginia because their margins are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger in a lot of those already super Republican counties. And, you know, my guess is that uh, Youngkin's going to do even better out there than uh, than Republicans have in 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 recent years. I think he probably probably needs to do that. I think he's capable of doing that. Um, but the you know with with some of these other places that used to be kind of bellwethers that have moved toward the Democrats, it's really a question of margin. You know, I mean the just the the, the blue and the red on the map might not look that much different than 2017 in terms of the the counties and the cities shifting, but under the hood, in terms of the actual margins, you know, you could see some of these places get tighter, and that's all. Those are all important pieces to determining who actually wins. Mm-hmm. You say Enrico. Google says Enrico. <laughs> what is it? I've always heard it was Enrico, but you know, <laughs> I'm from the north, so I, you know, I I might be screwing it up. Uh, you're you're the boss here. One thing I noticed <laughs> from Yunkin this week. So we talked about southeastern Virginia. We talked about the middle part of the state in Richmond. Haven't really gotten to northern Virginia, where most of the people live. But if you go down, way down southwestern Virginia, rural area, a lot of Republican votes. Not as many as you would find up around the Northern Virginia area, but still pretty red. That's that's where Yunkin has been this week. Roanoke and Lynchburg and Blacksburg. How come? Uh, you know, look, I mean, only his campaign knows you know exactly the strategy, but you know, I think he's trying to to fire up the Republican base vote in those places. Um, you know, I mean, again, it's really important for for Yunkin to get big turnout and. Um, uh, and, and big margins in those places. And, you know, maybe they feel like there's still uh, there's still work to be done um, in those places. And, you know, likewise, where, you know, McAuliffe had Joe Biden a couple days ago in uh, in Arlington, you know, right right by D.C. And that's those are super blue areas where, you know, it's it's more about turning out your base vote as opposed to really persuading any anyone. And that's what Democrats are trying to do. They're trying to get their own electorate, particularly in northern Virginia, to wake up. That's a great point. 
You're right. You know, he made the trip across the Potomac to Arlington. A lot of folks live there, too. All right. Early vote. It's going to wrap up in a day or two. I think the 30th of October is the last date for that, which would be this weekend. What do you read into the early vote, if anything, Kyle? Uh, you know, it's certainly picked up, um, but it's not it, it shouldn't be anyway as as much of a uh, as big of a share of the statewide vote as it was in 2020. Uh, uh, about 60% of all the votes were cast by mail or, or early. You know, at this point, uh, the, the total number of early votes or, you know, votes cast so far is is around 850,000. Uh, you know, that's going to that's going to go up in, in, in the, the last few days of early voting here. But I think most of us expect that the, the overall turnout to be something between, and it's a wide range here, but, you know, two and a half to three million votes. So, um, you know, let's say that the early vote gets to a million or almost to a million, you know, that still may mean that that's only, you know, a third to 40% of all the votes cast. I think what you're seeing is that uh, there are some, there are a fair number of voters who, you know, had not voted early or by mail prior to 2020, but they took advantage of that because of the pandemic who may have just switched to voting on election day this time. Um, but look, it's, you know, we, we, it, it's, we don't, we also, uh, we don't quite know how that might shake out. Um, because, uh, uh, because again, you know, prior to 2020, there was so little early voting and then there was a ton in 2020. Clearly there, there seems to be less this time. Um, so it's a, it's a different kind of vote pattern that we're used to because prior to 2020, um, you did not have no excuse absentee and early voting, meaning that you could vote earlier in absentee, but you needed to have an excuse to do so. Now it's it's very easy to do. You don't have, an, you have to have an excuse. Um, so you know, this is the first kind of off year election um, in which we have those rules in place. So it's kind of unclear as to what that'll mean for turnout. Hmm. Okay. All right. Stand by. I have two more questions. You're with Hammer Time with Kyle Kondik. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Back on Hammer Time with Kyle Kondik, one of the masters in charge of politics in the state of Virginia, working with Larry Sabato and the Crystal Ball. Kyle, to you, let's talk about Northern Virginia. There's a county called Loudoun County. Seems to be the epicenter for the question about education in America. Has it gone too far? What do you teach in the classroom, et cetera? I, I know the Fox viewer is well up to speed on this. Loudoun had been reliably Republican for a long time. And now it's drifted toward the Democrats. If you were to explain this election, what would you look for in Loudoun County? Uh, again, it's, you know, it's not a question of whether, you know, who carries it, because, again, I feel pretty confident McCall is going to carry it unless unless this thing goes totally haywire. Sorry, you think Loudoun stays blue? Yes. But but again, it's a question of degree, because, um, you know, I don't think you're going to see some sort of 20 point shift since uh you know since since ralph northam won won the county however the, mar- the margin matters and let's say you know let's say loudon you know it's instead of a 20 point margin it's a 10 point margin or something like that well that would be the sort of you know shift you might you might want to see if you're a republican uh to be able to win the state you know I don't, I don't know if i'd put a specific number on like you know what mcauliffe needs there versus what youngkin needs to get there because you know ultimately you know the every, every all all the pieces matter across the state in terms of what changes but um uh you know it's 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 a place that's gotten a lot of attention and you know it's a good place to measure uh our republicans you know 
reclaiming some of their traditional vote in in some of these suburban exurban places. The Yunkin campaign uh, seems to think that education is a way for them to be able to do that. You know, the, 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 the proof will sort of be in, in what the results end up looking. Yeah, I was looking at some polling. Uh, Biden is underwater in Virginia. And there was a, I think it was Pew or Suffolk, I'm not sure which polling group. Uh, they did a right track, wrong track. 66% think the state's on the wrong track. Um, uh, I mean, that, that could be significant when you're thinking about two-thirds of the people who live there. What, how would you assess the Biden drag on the McAuliffe campaign? Look, I think, you know, we're, we're in a time where our elections are all, you know, they're nationalized to some extent. Now, maybe gubernatorial elections are maybe a little bit less nationalized than federal races, but there's still a sort of a trickle down effect. And, um, you know, by, uh, McAuliffe wants Biden's approval to be as high as possible. Youngkin wants Biden's approval to be as low as possible. And Youngkin's getting the better part of that recently because Biden dipped in late August and his numbers just haven't gotten any better. And so, uh, I think based on what we know about the Virginia polling, um, some of the trends we've seen in, in, in the other states and also nationally, um, Biden's approval is almost certainly underwater in Virginia and probably not just by a couple of points. Uh, you know, it might be more significant than that. You know, his approval may be as low as, you know, the low to mid 40s. Now, you know, there's there probably are a, a small number of Democrats who maybe don't approve of 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 Biden, but they're going to vote for McAuliffe anyway. And that's what I think McAuliffe is depending on. But uh, you know, that's a that's an important factor in this election. I mean, again, if, if Youngkin wins, I think that, you know, Biden's dip will have played a significant role in that. Yeah. yeah, we will see on that. OK, final question. They call it a crystal ball for a reason. So your keys to watching on Tuesday night. If I were to ask Kyle Kondik live on the Fox News channel uh, during our coverage and I said, OK, Kyle, it's six fifty five. Polls close in five minutes, 7 o'clock Eastern time in Virginia. I do have that right, right? 7 o'clock Eastern? Yep. Okay. What would you say are the keys to watch in the state of Virginia? Go. Uh, look, I, I mentioned Virginia Beach earlier. I think that that's probably a, a place that if Youngkin is winning, he probably would carry. So that's a that's a, a, a place I would watch. Uh, you know, I'd be looking at, you know, what is the uh, the turnout mix compared to both 2020 and 2017? You know, we know the the total to total votes are going to be much lower than the, the high turnout presidential election. Um but, uh, you know, is are there some rural red counties that are casting, you know, a, a, a greater share of the vote compared to how they voted in 2020? Uh, you know, is, is Virginia are the northern Virginia places, you know, down a little bit, even, you know, from their share of the statewide vote from previous elections? Uh, you know, those sorts of things matter. Um, I don't know if there's a certain uh, county that I would say, oh, well, the winner of this county will win the election. I don't because, again, I just. Um, I think that's, you know, the, the, the margins really matter more than, than some of these like bellwether counties. But, uh, you know, again, Virginia Beach, I think, is a pretty good, uh, okay. pretty good place to watch. And then, you know, what are the margins in northern Virginia compared to, um, you know, compared to the past? Uh, the well, other thing wait, is that, sorry, you know, would you compare northern Virginia to the 2020 presidential outcome or the 2017 governor's race? Um, you know, it's it, it's tricky either way. Um uh, I, 
I guess I probably would compare to 2017 just because they're both, you know, they're both gubernatorial races. Um, but the thing is, too, is that some of those places are growing so fast that, you know, 2020 is 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 closer, you know, it's closer is more recent past than uh, than than 2017, which is four years ago. Um, so, the you know, if you're comparing the sort of the raw number of votes, maybe uh, maybe you could get thrown off a little bit by that. But I would more I was more thinking, that, you know, in terms of the, you know, the what share of the vote is McAuliffe getting compared to what Northam got uh, uh, four, mm-hmm. four years ago. So that's important. You know, one other thing about Virginia is is that um, uh, sometimes the state, particularly in a close race, will sort of look Republican for a while and then kind of shift to the Democrats late because of the just the vote counting patterns. Um, Fairfax, which is the you know biggest constituency in the state, really big Democratic area, um, they were sort of known for uh, counting some of the absentee ballots uh, last. And so there would be this late shift of votes that would sometimes like it's kind of saved Mark Warner and 2014, just in terms of the the you know what, what were the last some of the last votes to report. There's nothing nefarious about that. It's just the, just sort of the rhythm of how the votes are counted. Um, Fairfax supposedly this time is going to be uh, counting the absentees and, and early early votes uh, early on in the night. So it might throw off that pattern in that it may be that McAuliffe is the one leading early on, and then Youngkin might catch up later on in the evening, if in fact, Youngkin's going to win. So um, that's something to keep in mind too, uh, just in terms of, of watching the, the results, the, mm. the rhythm of how the state reports might be a little bit different this time. Very interesting. I would just add Chesterfield County to your analysis. Yeah, based that's, on, that's uh, based on how that's close right. it was four years ago. Continue. Yeah. And, and that's a place where I think it's, you know, it, it is so long as this race is as close as the polls indicate, it's not going to be a question of whether Youngkin wins it. I think he probably would. It's how big is the margin? You know, if it's like if Chesterfield comes in at like plus 10 Youngkin or something, that's a really good sign for him. You know, if it's if it's just plus two or three, um, that's improvement, but maybe not enough improvement. Mm-hmm. Give me one rural red county or two or three that you would think would be key to a certain tell on tuesday um you know well there's one it's not a red county but it is a uh, um it is a place that very well could shift to yunkin uh, prince edward county which is a small constituency um in sort of uh kind of south central virginia that um uh it would not be surprising at all if yunkin uh ended up carrying that that county and then you know they're they're just a bunch of um a bunch of small sparsely populated counties you know particularly west of roanoke um, that are uh, really all going to vote, all going to vote Republican. And then it's just a question of comparing how Republican they are and what the turnout mix is compared to the past. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, Kyle, it's great to chat with you. And um, one parting uh, trivia question for you. There are two counties that have voted for the winner correctly in the last 10 elections. Can you name them? <laughs> Boy, um, this comes from my good friend Remy, who's been crunching the numbers for the past month. You uh, you just mentioned one of them, by the way. Is it Prince Edward? Prince Edward is one of them. Yes. Is Chesapeake the other one? I think the other one is Northampton. Okay. Yeah, I I can see that. And there you have it, Kyle. Thank you so much. I love the intel, and we'll see what we get on Tuesday night. A terrific guest. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, Bill. You bet. Kyle Kondik, Larry Sabato's Crystal Ball, University of Virginia Center for Politics. Good stuff. Tuesday's The Vote. We'll see what we get. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.